Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands the one you do not know. He is one who comes after me, the straps whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave his testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I've seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one, of the one, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from him? From there, Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. 
Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. This is the word of the Lord. Dion, thanks so much for reading that for us. Uh, well, good evening, everyone. It's lovely to see you all, and uh, uh, I hope that you have had a, uh, a reasonable start to the new year. Now, at our evening services, whether if you've been here before, if you haven't been here before, I guess more relevantly, we sometimes have a little bit of a moment to just uh, reset and chat before we get going with our, our sermon. In a moment, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about the passage that we've just had read um, as we start a new sermon series looking at the uh, Gospel of uh, John. But uh, before that, um, just by way of interlude, we're just going to have a couple of moments uh, just to, to, to chat to those around us. You may want to um, just nip to the loo if you need to, just calm down, I don't know, greet the people you haven't seen before, whatever. So we'll be at about three minutes. Um, in, in the interest of giving you some uh, vaguely relevant um, conversation starters, uh, I've got a little slide for you, okay? And so you can just greet the people next to you and say, hello, how are you doing? What did you do for New Year? So forth. that's obviously fine. But also, how about this? Okay, you could talk to one another about New Year's resolutions. There's a meaning to this. We'll get to it in a moment. Uh, first of all, um, are you for or against them? Uh, you might want to share with one another whether you like them or not. What's the best, worst New Year's resolution you have heard? Uh, I'm sure there'll be some great stuff out there. And if you want to get really sort of helpful and engaged with the ministry, you don't have to get to this stage. What do you think should be this church's New Year's resolution? Now, I'm not going to come around with a, with a, with a you know, chalkboard or whatever, but at the end, if you want to tell me, uh, I'm, I'm all ears. Okay, right, so three minutes, just uh, do catch up with the people around you, uh, and then we'll get started. All right, okay. Now... Please do feel free to take those further um, and uh, continue those conversations later on. Uh, we, we love it if, uh, you know, around our services, there's just time to chat and get to know people or, or just find out more about one another. That's part of the reason we do this. Uh, so New Year's resolutions. Uh, I, um, I, I myself always find I'm a bit conflicted uh, about them. Usually what happens is I get to Christmas and, you know, Christmas as a vicar, you kind of go big. And you just sort of flop. And then you get to New Year and you feel really guilty because you basically just, all you've done is just been a kind of uh, stupor for five days. And now it's like everyone else has got really kind of noble things that they want to do with your life. And you're a vicar and you probably should have good ideas about noble things that you should do. And frankly, that everyone else should do. And you don't really. And so it's a little bit difficult for me. Um, Sometimes I want to jump on the bandwagon of positive aspiration. Sometimes I just want to go out there and save everyone from the pain of getting to the 21st of January and failing to keep your resolutions and just say, look, guys, it's fine. Just don't worry. It's fine. Grace. The best part, if there is a good part, a consistently good part of New Year's resolutions that I love to keep hold of, it's that moment to reevaluate. We all look back, don't we? What, what was last year? How might this year be different? And... Uh, I guess that part of it is great for a church as well. It's great for us as a, as a church family to think, okay, what do we want to be about now? Usually, if you don't ask that question, you probably end up with a relatively unfocused life as a community. So it's worth having a go. 
And as a church, we've already shared one of the kind of focal points of what we want to be about for this next year, that uh, verse of the year that, that we shared with you just now, which really summarizes the good news of the gospel. And I hope that's going to be the case for this whole year. We really have a new sense, a new clarity, a new confidence in the basics of the Christian gospel. And that's part of the reason we're looking at these chapters here in John's gospel. They're, it's a really exciting start to the gospel. So you, you have chapter one. Uh, right at the beginning, there's a kind of prologue, and then there's this engagement. And Jesus, I mean, it, it, they come like hotcakes. It's like, oh, it feels like Jesus walks down the street and goes, you follow me, and they come. And you follow me, and you, they come. And you follow me, and they go, hang on a second, let me get my friend. Brilliant. And they come. And it's like, within five minutes, Jesus is walking out the other end of the, the, the town with a huge kind of gathering behind him. We get a sense of how the basic gospel of Jesus drew people together. And then in chapter 3, which we're going to get on to next week, we begin to, to explore what is the message that he actually had uh, to share with them. And that's going to be great. Now, why do we want to focus on the gospel? The gospel, I believe, is the way, on, way in in the Christian life. You can't start the Christian life without basically understanding why Jesus came for our salvation to forgive us. And it's actually also the way on in the Christian life. It's the way in and it's the way on. So... A Christian doesn't start finding out the basics about the Christian message and then goes on to more complex and other things and forgets that. Growing as a Christian is basically growing deeper into the same basic message. So that's why we always have a confession on a Sunday. Because actually, the basics of the gospel are what you need for the whole of the Christian life. And there's enough there to grow into in your whole lives. So I hope we're going to get some of that in the next couple of weeks. Now, what do we learn as we begin to observe this early part of uh, the Christian church coming into being? Well, I think everything we see here could be put under the heading of come and see. Come and see. Now, you're going to be helped to actually have a Bible open in front of you. There should be a Bible in the pew in front of you. You might want to dial it up on your on your phone or, or device or whatever. Uh, we're looking at John chapter 1, just to remind you, from 19 uh, through to uh, 51. Come and see. Come and see are the words that are spoken uh, quite precisely at the, at the, in the middle of that final section, chapter 1, verse 46, where Nathaniel says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And Philip says, come and see. Come and see is an invitation. uh, Philip is saying to his friend Nathaniel, come and see Jesus. Look, I know you've got some questions. Uh, Don't take my word for it. You come over and see this man that we're speaking about and see it for yourself. It's a way of encouraging a person to come into direct personal encounter with Jesus as the way forward. And it's a wonderful approach, I think, for our day. I mean, obviously, it's been happening for 2,000 years. But sometimes it's difficult, isn't it, for people to really compute at all what we're going on about when we're talking about our faith, what we believe. And uh, often we get derailed very early on as we try to share what it is that we believe. And you go down rabbit holes of kind of particular theological conundrums and objections and so on and so forth. Sometimes one of the best things that we can do is do the come and see. 
look, don't listen to me. Don't take it from me. You come. You just come and have that direct encounter with Jesus. Now, of course, as soon as I say that, I guess the most obvious objection that we're going to raise here is, well, it's all very well back in Jesus' day because Jesus was actually just around the corner. So you could actually walk around and say, shake his hand or whatever they did and see him. Yes, we can't come and see in exactly the same way. But if you think about it, this is happening at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. What these guys are coming and seeing at this stage has none of the rest of the stuff that happens in Jesus' life there. We actually know a whole load more about Jesus than Nathaniel and Andrew and all the other people in this account because we have the whole story. And so we can, in the same way, come and bring people to come and see. Read the scriptures. Read them prayerfully, seeking the Lord's revelation to come and see Jesus. So it's a wonderful approach, I think, for our culture and our moment as well uh, to share what we, what we believe. Come and see. I just want to look at that phrase really under two subheadings, if you like. Come and see as an invitation to share, and then come and see as an invitation to respond to. So come and see is as an invitation to share. Come and see is something that we can say to others. Come and see an invitation to share. Now, let's just look at a couple of examples of the, the come and see approach in these verses. The first one is uh, the story of John the Baptist. So uh, we begin in uh, verse 19. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, well, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. You kind of want to be this stage. Can you just finish the thing and just tell them who you are? He's like, no, no, I'm just going to go for no's for now. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. He's talking about Jesus. So how does John do this? Come and see. The first thing he does is he points away from himself. He points away from himself. Guys, if you want to know about the Christian faith, don't look at me. Do you notice, they ask him, who are you? He won't even say, I'm a person. He just says, I'm a voice. I'm a voice. Don't worry about me. Look at him. Look at the Lord. He points to the Lord. And in fact, he says, it's my job to make straight the way for the Lord. Now, John had a very particular role to play there. But in a sense, we all have that role. Can we, in the world that we live in, in our workplaces, our families, and so forth, make straight the way for Jesus? Get rid of the obstacles and point people, as it were, straight to him. Next, he points to Jesus' mission. Uh, That's what happens uh, as the chapter goes on. Verse 23, he says, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. That means that uh, he's he's the Lord. He's, He's God coming to earth. If we keep going, he says, look, the Lamb of God. In verse 29, he says, uh, John sees Jesus coming towards him. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. One of the ways that John points at Jesus, one of the ways he says, come and see, he says, let me explain to you what Jesus came to do. He came to take away our sin. He goes on to uh, focus on who Jesus is, Jesus' identity. So verse 34, he says, I have seen, I testify that this, this Jesus is the Son of God. He's saying, look, 
Guys, if, if you want to know anything that's important, know who this Jesus is. So that's the first example of come and see, pointing to Jesus. Now that's a challenge for all of us as individuals and, and, and for us as a church. I wonder whether there's anyone that you would love to share your faith with. I wonder how you think that's going to happen. You know, sometimes perhaps we have a real burden to do that because Jesus is so precious to us personally. But frankly, we, just, we don't even really know where to start. This is a great place to start. Point to the Lord. I've shared this many times before, uh, forgive me, but I remember a conversation that I, um, I had with, with a friend and we were talking about church as community. And by the way, I'm a great believer in church as community. It's wonderful, the community we have here and particularly what's going on in the, uh, over at the center uh, recently with the warm spaces and the Renew Cafe. But I told this friend, oh, it's really great down in the church. We've got a wonderful community. And she said, yeah, that's, that's great. You know, I have a really great community at my canoe club. And I was like, well... Uh, that's great for you too. <laughs> and the trouble with the conversation is basically, I had community, she had community, we weren't going to get any further. What I missed out was, I've got Jesus. I've got Jesus. That's the thing that, I'm sure your canoe club is great, but probably he's not right at the center. That's, that's the silver bullet pointing to him. So it's a challenge for us all. Can we find ways in conversation with our friends to point to Jesus? to point to his mission, to talk about why he came, to explain how he is the one pointing to Jesus. That's John. Uh, now, next we come across a guy called Andrew. Uh, and uh, uh, he is equally kind of committed to sharing uh, what he has discovered. And uh, so we, we look down the uh, passage to verse uh, 39 uh, we, we see there Jesus coming past two disciples, uh, and Jesus has come, uh, and you'll see. So they go and saw where he was staying, where Jesus was staying, and spent that day with him, and it was about the tenth hour. And we hear that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. Now, this is like the next step. Andrew's method is he brings someone to Jesus. He, he finds out about Jesus, and then he gets to Simon Peter. And he just can't really stop himself. It's so wonderful what he's discovered. He said, I've got to share this with my friend. Here's Simon Peter, and he grabs him by the hand. You come over here and meet this guy. Now, the thing is, inbuilt into us is is a natural inclination to do that. I've got four kids, and uh, you know, when we go to the, to the seaside and they find shells, they, they don't hesitate when they discover a wonderful shell. They go, Dad, look at this shell that I found. You have, Dad, come here. You have to, seriously, you have to look at this shell that I found, even if they find 350 shells, as they did the last time, and they kind of bring them home into our house, and some of them are still alive, and all the rest of it. It's natural to say, come over here. Br bring someone to see the thing. But as we get older, we kind of lose our confidence with that. Could we, like Andrew, bring our friends to Jesus? Isn't it amazing to think Andrew bought Simon Peter? Andrew, who most of us probably don't remember, brought Simon Peter, the rock, the, the, the one on whom the whole church was founded. Small gesture. Here, you come over here and meet this guy. 
what an amazing, amazing impact that bringing someone to Jesus had. And you know, this is manageable. You can't be Jesus to people, but you can bring people to Jesus. So that's Andrew bringing someone to Jesus. Next, we've got Philip. Now, Philip is the ultimate come and see uh, evangelist. Uh, And we see this from verse uh, 43 onwards. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. At which point, what did Philip do? He said, oh, no, he's such a cynic. Okay, fine, I'll move on. No, he didn't. He said, come and see. Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, he is a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. And all, at this stage, he's basically handed the whole thing over to Jesus, who does something quite extraordinary. We'll get onto that in just a moment. Philip recognizes the objections. He knows that not everyone is going to be immediately interested. But he sees that the answer is an encounter with Jesus. I know you've got your hang-ups about Nazareth. Okay, granted, it may not be the best place in the world, but come and see Jesus. Can we do the same? Perhaps you get into a conversation and someone asks you a question. It's a really difficult one. You don't know the answer. Uh, Perhaps your conversation gets derailed over some minor point of theology. Could you do that same thing, though? Say, well, that's a really good question. I'm not quite sure. But come and see Jesus. Let me share him with you. Now, by this stage, perhaps you're asking, well, how do we do this? How do I actually do that? How do do we see Jesus? Um, There are lots of different ways of doing this. Um, But one way that I found that's quite helpful is simply to sit down with a friend and read the Bible together. I've got a slide up here. Uh, about the, um, uh, that shows the, the word one-to-one material. It's, it's a lovely little thing. It's basically John's gospel, the same gospel that we're looking at here, just in a, in a neat little pack. You get one for you, one for your friend. Uh, you open it up, read it together. Uh, there's a couple of helps there if you get stuck on any, what any of the stuff means. And I've, uh, I, I've gone through this with people in coffee shops and, and pubs and things. It's a wonderful way of just coming and seeing Jesus together. That's just one suggestion. Okay, so that's come and see an invitation to share. But secondly, come and see is also an invitation to respond to. So obviously there are people in this account who who tell others. But there are also people in this account who are themselves told they get, the, they get the call, and they respond. And perhaps that's a word for someone here this evening. Perhaps you've heard this call many times before. And actually, it's time for you to respond to that invite to come and see Jesus. And I think one of the really encouraging things about this passage is that it shows that the Lord Jesus is ready for all sorts of different responses to that invitation. Now, I'm going to go through, again, three different responses that we get here. There's going to be a little bit of overlap. And, of course, these are not the only ways that we could respond. We could think in many different ways. But we learn something from the figures that we have here. First of all, let's look at Andrew. Back to Andrew. Uh, So have a look at verse 35. Next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. 
Turning around, Jesus saw them following and said, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now, I hope this is not overly speculative. What's going on here? These guys have been pointed towards Jesus. They're not completely ready to sort of sign on the dotted line right now. They're not in the place where they're like, I am absolutely all in. But I tell you what, I, I've, got enough, I've got enough interest to spend some time with Jesus. I've got some attention. I've got some questions. I've got some time. I want to be with this man. I want to see his life so I can make sense of this. And perhaps that's where you are. You don't really know whether you're on board yet, but you can get that far. Is it time for you to join the community of the Lord Jesus Christ? Come and, come and join us here. It's wonderful that you're here on a Sunday, but it's, it's much more than that. To really get to the bottom of whether any of this is true and it works in real life, you've got to see Christians from close up. Perhaps you can come and join us in our, in our warm spaces on, on uh, a Friday or a Monday or a Tuesday over there. Uh, perhaps you've got some work to do that you could do uh, from a flexible location. Come and meet people. Hang out. Uh, perhaps you could uh, plan a holiday with some Christian friends. Uh, get together with people and, and, and spend some time just living together to see what a difference Christ really does make. So that's Andrew. He says, can I stay with Jesus for a while. And of course, ultimately, he's convinced. Then there's Philip. Uh, Philip's approach is, follow me. Hang on, actually, sorry. Can I bring a friend? Follow me. Hang on, can I bring a friend? Perhaps that's where you are. You're sort of thinking, I'm interested. But the way that you operate is sort of, once you get close, you're like, ah, I'm going to need someone else in here with me. And let me say, if that is the case, you are welcome. You're welcome here, and your friends are welcome here, and their friends as well. We want to be the kind of place where anyone can come, and anyone can come and bring anyone else who is at any stage of asking, what is this whole Jesus thing about? I hope that you have a sense of welcome here. And by the way, for the rest of us as well, I hope that we feel that we want to be the people who are going to offer that kind of welcome, that we want to be that church ourselves, each individually and as a whole, who are going to be ready to welcome a friend. Perhaps it's follow me, but hang on, can I bring a friend? Thirdly, perhaps it's, it's Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? So perhaps you've had some encounters with the Christian faith and they haven't been good ones. Perhaps you're just skeptical by disposition or you've thought about these things before and you've got sincere doubts. Perhaps when you first hear of Jesus, you're like, really? I mean, it's unlikely that anyone here has a particular kind of bad or ill feeling towards the town of Nazareth, although I'm sure if you do, we can, we can have a talk about that. But we've all got our equivalents, haven't we? Uh, perhaps we have issues with the package that Jesus comes in. Perhaps we are troubled by the history of the church. Perhaps we don't like what's been done in the name of Christ. Uh, perhaps we've been hurt by people in the church uh, or mistreated. Uh, perhaps we've got a bit icky about institutional religion. Uh, perhaps we've got issues with the supernatural and we just can't really get over the hill on those. Perhaps we struggle even to believe in a creator. 
we'd like to get more of this Jesus thing, but we struggle with the, with the package. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Well, the wonderful thing about this story here is that Nathaniel comes to faith, I think. Or he certainly comes to Jesus. And Jesus has got the patience for someone like Nathaniel. It doesn't have to be everything sorted out. But the answer for Nathaniel is to come and see. To read the scriptures for us. To see if they add up, for example. Come along to our Hope Explored course. Ask your questions. Really? Can we really believe this? And also to pray for God to reveal himself to us. You know, perhaps you're in that place where I just, I don't even know if any of this stuff is out there. Well, can you pray? Can you say, Lord, if you exist, and I'm not even sure that you do, make yourself known to me. So there we are. Come and see an invitation to respond to in so many different ways in which people might respond and Jesus can accept. But I want to just share with you one last kicker in this passage. A little warning. You and I think that we are either offering the invitation or accepting the invitation. But it turns out that Jesus is in there ahead of time. Did you notice this in the encounter with Nathaniel? So verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, remember, Philip said, come and see, right? So Nathaniel, he's on the front, he's like, I'm going to go and see. And then Jesus says to him, uh, here is a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. How do you know me? Uh, Nathaniel asks. Jesus answers, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you, right? So Jesus came into this place. He already knew how this was all going to pan out long before Philip had even thought of saying, come and see. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. One of the extraordinary things about coming to faith is that as we seek for Jesus, we begin to realize that he's finding us, that he's coming after us, that he knows us, that he knows us possibly even better than we know ourselves. Jesus is seeking you out too this evening. And what I love about this passage is we see that he's come to forgive. He's the, he's the Lamb of God, so there's no issue about your past. He's seen that, and he's prepared to deal with it by forgiving you. He even has a calling on your life. Verse 42 is a great example of this. Jesus meets Simon Peter and immediately says, I'm going to, I'm, Simon, I'm going to call you Peter. I've got a role for you. Even whilst you're wondering, can I make this step towards Jesus? Jesus is saying, I've got a job for you to do. And then finally, he knows you. Verse uh, 47, 48, and 49. I saw you. Isn't that amazing? That even as you try to understand and know Jesus, he already knows you. So perhaps for you, come and see is an invitation to respond to today. So we've seen, come and see, it's the tried and tested 2,000-year-old way of the gospel spreading. It's an invitation to share, and perhaps today you've had a thought of who you might share it with and how you might share it. And it's also an invitation to respond to. We're going to take just a moment of quiet. 
Perhaps there are things that the Lord has been saying to you as we've been looking at this passage. Uh, Perhaps you've got questions that you'd like to bring to him in prayer. Perhaps the Lord has put someone on your heart who you'd like to share Christ with, and you want to turn that to him in prayer. And then I'm going to lead us in a closing prayer. So let's just take a moment of quiet. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.